Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. So I want to talk to you this morning about evangelism. Look at your neighbor and say, oh no, not evangelism. <laughs> right? A lot of times when we think about evangelism, we, uh, do we have the, uh, the picture of the guy there? A lot of times, whenever we hear the topic of evangelism, we, uh, we look like this guy, if we can pull the, uh, the picture up, you know, it says, man, evangelism, I'd rather hear a, a message on fasting than evangelism, right? That's about how exciting that is to me, right? But no, we're going to talk about evangelism, and evangelism is not the dirty Christian word, right? I heard a, a quote one time, it said, believers and non-believers both have one thing in common, they hate evangelism, <laughs> It's that thing that we know we're supposed to be doing, right? But for some reason, it's so hard to do. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to get very real. Or as the kids say, keep it 100, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to be a cool dad. I've got teenagers in the house. They went from off the chain to lit. I'm going, what are we, what are we lighting on fire? You keep saying it's lit. What's lit? I'm looking. Anyway. All right, bad joke. There we go. Oh, no, not evangelism, right? We look like that guy. So this morning, we're going to talk through our personal feelings and fears about evangelism. We're going to discuss common misconceptions concerning evangelism. We're going to define evangelism, because I think a lot of times we don't even really know what evangelism is. Like, we know what church has taught us evangelism is, but we're going to look at what the Bible says evangelism is. Can we do that? Is that okay? Because we have these preconceived notions, which actually turn us off from the topic of evangelism. Right? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to learn what the good news is according to God's word. And then we're going to discuss what role we play in the kingdom of God as it relates to evangelism. So our personal feelings about evangelism. What are some of the images and feelings that come to mind when we hear or we talk about evangelism? Right? A lot of times we think about like someone who's like really pressuring, right? You're trying to argue or debate, try to get somebody to see your way, try to coerce people to make a decision, right? It's like, well, man, who wants to do that, you know? So, so sometimes we have these negative views of, of evangelism. Like, none of us want to be that guy, right? The bad news is at my house, I'm that guy. My kids are like, Dad, you're that guy. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be that guy, you know? <laughs> but, but we don't want to be that guy, right? We don't want to be that girl. It's like, if people see you come, it's like, oh, gosh, don't, don't make eye contact, right? Because they know you're going to try to talk to them about Jesus. And so that's one of our misconceptions about evangelism is that we, you know, we got to preach to everything that moves, right? We'll preach to the chair if, uh, if we could, you know? So sometimes we have negative feelings in our mind that come to, uh, come to mind in evangelism. What about fears or concerns? right? The fear of being rejected, right? The fear of not knowing what to say, the fear of like, do I know the Bible enough? Do I know enough scriptures? How, you know, what if they ask me a really hard question? I don't know the answer, right? We, we have these fears. We have these concerns. I'll never forget. I, I finally convinced one of, my, one of my good friends to come and do evangelism with us. We, we usually take a small group of people out to the mall on, on Sunday's afternoon, on the afternoon. And, um, we, uh, we did some evangelism. Some people got healed at the mall. Some people got, someone actually got saved. And uh, so we were walking out the parking lot. He's like, oh my gosh. Oh, he finally like taking a deep breath. I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he goes, it was not as nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, I've been fasting all day and I've been praying to listen to worship. And he's like, dude, eat. What are you talking about? Just eat and relax. <laughs> listen, Jesus said, when you don't know what to say, I'll give you the words to say right? And can I tell you something? I don't know is okay. If somebody asks you a really tough question, you don't know, say, you know what? I don't know, but let me tell you what I do know. 
right? And what do you know? Well, you know what Jesus has done for you. Begin to tell them that. Begin to tell about your life, how you were addicted or how you had these issues, these struggles, or the life that you had before you became a Christian, all these different things that God did for you, right? The Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of their testimony, right? So your testimony, what has God done for you? And God's done something for all of us, right? We wouldn't be sitting in this room if God hadn't done something in our lives, right? So it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know, but let me tell you what I do know. Can I share with you what I do know, right? So we've got to overcome. This is going to be a very practical teaching session. Is that okay? All right, it's, not, it's not going to be a cute three-point message. I hope that's all right, right? Because, because we want to be equipped, right? We want to be released. We want to evangelize, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples. So we've got to talk about that. And we've got to be real. We've got to talk about why don't we evangelize, right? And these are some of the reasons why we don't, very simply. You know, some of the other common misconceptions are that, you know, how about this? I don't have the gift of evangelism. Oh, I love that one. Could you imagine Jesus is telling the disciples, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them. And all of a sudden, one of the disciples is like, Jesus is like, yes, Thomas. Um, Jesus, um, I don't have the gift of evangelism, could you imagine? There's no way that would, have, that would not have passed with Jesus. Am I right? This is the thing. Jesus probably would have said, you know what? The gifts actually haven't been taught on yet. That's going to be in a couple of books, you know, ahead. <laughs> right? Come on, somebody. All right. Is this, can you, am, I, am I at the right place this morning? Come on. Because I came here on assignment. I believe if God sends me somewhere, it's because he wants to do something in a group of people. So I'm here on assignment to equip, to equip and train God's people to do the work of ministry. Amen? Come on. All right. There we go. All right. Everybody's awake this morning. I don't like to evangelize, right? That's another one. Only a certain type of person likes to be effective. Or it goes, remember that guy? I'm not that guy. You know, so that's not me. All right. How about this? I don't know enough about the Bible, right? We talked about that. Evangelism involves arguing or convincing people to believe what I believe. These are some things that we think about when we think about evangelism. But that's just simply not true. These are all misconceptions concerning evangelism. So let's define evangelism. In order to define evangelism, we have to first define the gospel, right? The gospel, as we call it, is the good news, right? And that's taken from a, uh, an, English, an old English root word, which is God spell, which actually God means good. Imagine that, right? And then spell, which is story or news. So that's where we get the word good news, right? It's the story of God's good news. And then evangelism comes from the root word evangelist, which is also is derived from the Greek word Euangelion, if you can say that, euangelion, right? And that also means good news or one who shares the good news. And so evangelist is nothing more than someone who shares the good news. Should I use this instead? Thank you. So evangelism, that's much better, thank you. Not today, Satan. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, now you guys are awake. All right, got it. Not today, Satan. Maybe I should just say that for the rest of the... All right. So most of our misconceptions can be overcome by just understanding what evangelism is. And so in simple terms, evangelism is nothing more than a person 
sharing the good news, right? It really doesn't have much doubt. There is the fivefold call of the evangelist, but we're all called to evangelize, right? So we, we, have, to, we have to understand that. So sharing the good news. None of us have problems sharing good news, right? We talked about this on Tuesday night. We share good news all the time, right? Hey, guess who's going to have a baby soon, right? Hey, you know, guess who just got engaged, right? We, we post good news on our Facebook page. We, we, we put it on Instagram. We have no problem sharing good news with other people. Am I right? Hey, I just got a promotion to my job. But for some reason, we have a problem sharing the good news of the gospel. Don't you find that odd? Maybe it's because we don't believe it's good news. If we don't have a problem sharing good news in every other facet of our life, then why is it that we have such a problem telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, right? It's called the good news, not the great bummer, <laughs> right? And so we, we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, let's dig a little bit more into the good news. Jesus didn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that might shock you, but Jesus himself did not preach the message of Jesus Christ. He preached the message of the kingdom of God. He came preaching a king and a kingdom, right? We're going to dig into that a little bit more. Now, the term kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably in scripture. It occurs 52 times in the New Testament, or actually in the Gospels, and Matthew's Gospel 4 and Mark 14 uh, and Luke 32 times and in John 2 times. So 52 times in the Gospels, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably. Now, Matthew typically, just a little insight, Matthew typically used the kingdom of heaven. The reason being, versus kingdom of God, but they're the same thing. The reason being is that Matthew, his gospel was written to the Jewish population, and he was wanting to be very sensitive to the Jewish population because even today, the Jewish people don't even even write the word God. They don't even, they, they believe it's so holy, they won't even write it. There's a, there's a whole ceremony that actually comes with beginning to write the name of God because they revere it so much. As a matter of fact, you may have even seen it when you're corresponding with someone, they might actually just put like G-D uh, G uh, D and leave out the O. It's because they revere the, the, the name of God so much, they won't even write it. That's how holy they think it is. So Matthew, being sensitive to the Jewish people, uses the phrase kingdom of heaven, right? But we know it can be used interchangeably. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Are we on the same page? Okay, great. So Jesus comes preaching the message of the kingdom. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, say repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now that word repent means to change the way you think right? Change the way you think. So it's not just a turning away from sin. It's actually changing the way that you think about sin, right? So that you actually stop sinning. Because before it's like, man, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy what I'm doing, right? Hey, man, what's wrong with it? We're both in love. Marriage ain't nothing but a piece of paper anyway. Come on, somebody. Uh, all right. Listen, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Look, I'm, 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 I'm listen, you, you should have worn your steel toe boots this morning. Come on. Man, all right. So Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. He says, repent, change the way you think for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within arm's reach, right? 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world as a witness to the nations and then the end will come. Isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ himself didn't say the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached to all nations and the end will come. No, he didn't say that. He said this gospel of what? The kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. Luke 4, 43, he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns and the villages because it's the reason why I was sent. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said the very reason he was sent into the world was to preach this gospel of the kingdom. That's, that says a lot, right? And there are other scriptures as well, but for the sake of time, we won't dig into those. So what's so good about the good news? Well, the good news is not just when we die, we get to go to heaven, that's part of it, but that's only part of the good news. We're not telling the whole story. Right? Listen, Jesus didn't die to get you into heaven. He died to get heaven into you. Come on, somebody. That's when we see change. That's when we see that change of mind, that change of heart. That's when we see the turning away from things. Right? The change of life, because we change the way we think. He died to get heaven into us. Look at your neighbor and say, he died to get heaven into you. Right? So that everywhere you go, now you begin to release this kingdom. You begin to release this atmosphere. Come on, somebody. Do you believe it? When you step on the college campus, come on, come on, students. KSU changes when you step on the campus. Come on, somebody. Do you believe it? Do you believe that the kingdom of God is in you? Do you believe that when you step foot on the job, the job changes, the atmosphere changes when you step in the room because the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's within you. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God, the, the Greek word there for kingdom is basileia. It means the royal right to rule. Come on, somebody. So the kingdom is the king's domain. It's everything that the king has rulership over. Come on, somebody. Well, guess what? Our king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords right? There's nothing that's not under his rule and his reign. Come on, somebody. So it's all under his kingdom. It's all under his rule. It's all under his reign. And then he lives in you. Come on. Which makes powerlessness inexcusable. I don't know about you, but I am sick of a, of a weak, intimidated, hibernating church. Come on. Undercover Christians. Come on, somebody. He said, let your light shine before men. Right? Listen, the light of the world called you and I the light of the world. Think about that for a second. The light of the world, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither does someone light a lamp and stick it under a bowl, right? He said, instead, he put it on a stand so that it can give light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So all you gotta do is just turn the switch on. Look at your neighbor and say, turn on the switch. Flip it, <laughs> right? All you gotta do is turn the switch on, Amen. And then darkness is overcome by light. So Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10 and Matthew 18.11. Now we all know John 3.16, or most of us do, right? 
Do we know John 3.17? Let's look at it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Oh, we didn't see that one, did we? Listen, maybe the reason we're not seeing so many people saved is because we're preaching a gospel of condemnation and not. But the Bible itself says that Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn it. So why are we preaching a gospel of condemnation? We're preaching a gospel different than Jesus. Come on. We're preaching the gospel of condemnation not the gospel of the good news. See, the gospel of the good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The gospel of the good news says that he is the king of kings and lord of lords, and everything is under his domain. Everything is under his rule. Come on, somebody, right? Remember the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We're gonna talk about that. That word saved, so we have to define salvation, See how, we're, we, we, see how we just got to keep tearing down these layers. We got to keep tearing down these, because we don't have a proper understanding, many of us, and the reason why, that's why we don't evangelize. Because we think it's the great bummer, not the, great, not the good news. But if we really understood the message that we have inside of us, we would have no problem sharing the good news like we share everything else that's good news in our life. Right? So let's take a look at salvation. That word salvation is the Greek word sozo. Say sozo. Sozo. If you look that up in your Bible dictionary helps, it means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. Come on, somebody. To save from suffering or perishing, to save from suffering from disease, to make well, to heal, to restore, to health, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction. It means to save or to rescue. It also means to save or to deliver from the consequences of our fallen nature called sin. Come on, somebody. All that from a four-letter word? That's the Christian four-letter word that we should be using. Sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. Come on, somebody. So see, Jesus didn't just come so that you can go to heaven when you die. It's so much more than that. He came, the good news is that he came to save, heal, deliver, set free, keep safe. Come on, somebody. Come on. He came to save you, to sozo you. But the problem is we give people enough of the gospel to get to heaven, but we don't give them enough of the gospel to get free. So we keep coming back to church with the same problems. We keep coming back to church with the same issues. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. We, we answer the altar call 15 times. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. And I'm not making fun of that. What I'm saying is we, we have, because we don't understand the gospel. It's because we don't understand the good news. We don't understand what our salvation is, the total package that Jesus paid for when he took those stripes upon his back and hung on that tree for you and for me. Come on, somebody. Saved, healed, delivered, set free, rescued from danger, to keep safe and sound. How many of you need some of that this morning? I know I do. I know I do. Come on. I need the saving power of the kingdom of God. I need the transforming power of the kingdom of God. Listen, I said the sinner's prayer, but I need the kingdom. 
I need him to rule and reign in my life. See, I need to get off the throne of my life and put him on the throne. See, many of us have made him savior, but how many of us have made him Lord? See, we got no problem. Jesus, take my sins away. But how about this? Jesus, you sit on the throne of my life. You make the call. You, now I answer to you. Listen, there's not room for two butts on the throne. It's not a love seat. There's no room for two people on that throne. It's a one seat throne. And either you're sitting on it or he's sitting on it. Come on, somebody. See, Jesus didn't say every head bowed, every eye, you know, every eye closed. Oh, I see that hand in the back. He said, drop everything and follow me. He said, they're going to persecute you. They're going to call you names. They're going to laugh at you. They hated me. They're going to hate you. He said, no servant is greater than his master. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Come on, somebody. He warned us in advance. We act like trials and tribulations. We're like, where is this coming from? I am just shocked that they're laughing at me on my college campus for taking a stand for Jesus. Why are they laughing at me at the, at the job? I don't understand. What are you talking? He warned us in advance. He said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. But then what did he say? But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Come on. We're called to be overcomers. See, most, see can, I just, can I just be real for a second, please? Is this okay? I'm going to keep it 100. Okay, listen. This is, this is what most of the church looks like. Man, I tell you what, that old devil, he is just fighting me. He, did, he gave me a flat tire on the way over here. That old devil, he's just been after me all week. We talk more about what the devil is doing than what God is doing. We glorify the devil and his works more than we glorify God and his works. We can't even get three people to show up to share a healing testimony. But if we were like, how many, how many of you, the devil's been fighting you all week? Oh, everybody would stand up in the room. I say, well, who has the testimony to share? What's God done for you this week? Crickets. God hasn't done anything this week, really? So who are we glorifying? Who are we, who are we magnifying? Who are we lifting up? Listen, can we, can we do us all a favor? Can we get the devil worship out of the church? See, we think the devil worship is out, is out there, but we worship the devil in church too. Because every time we give him credit, every time we glorify his name, every time we glorify his works, every time we talk about what he's doing, we're building him up. We're building his kingdom up. We're actually spreading the gospel of his kingdom. But we're not called to share that gospel. We're called to share the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. So let's look at the kingdom of God. Remember the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say on earth as it is in heaven. Say it again. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, pray that my kingdom would come and that my will would be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Not in heaven as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Come on, somebody. So if you want to know, how many of you want to know what the will of God is? Nobody? Oh, three people. Great, awesome. Three people. In <laughs> right? If you want to know what the will of God is, look to heaven. Come on, somebody. 
Didn't he teach us to pray that way? He said, when you pray, pray that my kingdom would come and that my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, say it again. Say it one more time like you really mean it. That's right. Listen, the problem is the church confuses their destination with their assignment. They're so consumed about going to heaven that they forget they're supposed to bring heaven. We're supposed to bring heaven everywhere we go. That's your assignment. That's what you're called for. Pastor Chino has been teaching on this for week after week after week after week. That's your assignment is to bring heaven wherever you go. Listen, I appreciate y'all calling me pastor. I'm, I'm not even a full-time, I'm, I'm, I'm not a professional minister. I sell flooring for a living. I sell flooring for a living. There is nothing special about me, but there is somebody special about who I carry. And it's the revelation of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Come on. And that goes for our children too. I was so proud whenever Levi was one of the, one of the ones that stood up to pray for somebody who needed healing Tuesday night. Levi, I, I can't see you in the back. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Because listen, our children were not given a mini Holy Spirit. See, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Come on, somebody. Do we really get that? Do we really understand that? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Yet we're walking around defeated. We're worshiping the devil. That old devil, he's been after me this week. I tell you what, he... Come on. I'm up here spitting. I must need something to drink. <laughs> Forgive me for a minute. Look at your neighbor and say, on earth as it is in heaven. So the problem is that we've been preaching an incomplete gospel. That's the problem. That's why we're not seeing people saved. And we do, when we do have them pray that prayer, that's why we see them fall away. Because we only shared with them part of the gospel. Come on. Right? It's true. You guys doing okay? Yes. I'm having fun with y'all. Is that all right? Yes. Listen, God's going to save some people today. God's going to heal some people today. God's going to deliver some people today. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. And that's the gospel that I'm preaching is the gospel of the kingdom. And wherever the king is, Come on, somebody. Then the kingdom exists. And the king is here. Look at your neighbor and say, the king is here. And I'm not talking about Elvis, for those of you that are older. So we've been preaching an incomplete gospel. So let's talk about our role. Now that we understand this, now that we understand what the gospel is, now that we understand what we carry. Now that we understand what salvation is, the salvation message is, is no longer about just, hey, you know, do you know where you're going to go if you die tonight? Right? Come on. What's our role? Well, Jesus commands us, his disciples, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. We see that in Matthew 7, uh, excuse me, 10, 7 through 8, Luke 9, 2, and Luke 10, 9. I'm sorry for using so much scripture when preaching the word of God. I hope that's okay. We already went over about 20, 15, 20 scriptures. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, 
raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. You notice he didn't say pray for the sick. That's not what he said. He said, heal the sick. There's a difference. One of these days, we're going to stop praying for the sick and we're going to start healing the sick. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Cast out demons. You notice he didn't say counsel demons. Put the demons on a 12-step program. Wait. Okay, I just wanted to double check. He said, cast them out. They don't belong there. Cast them out. Throw them out. Come on, somebody. Stop treating them like they're a pet. Come on. You're feeding them. I love my little demon. Do you want some more? Come on, somebody. Get out. You are trespassing. You are squatting. You don't belong here. No free rent here. Come on. Evicted. Listen, I'm just preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I hope that's okay. The Great Commission, Matthew 29. We're familiar with this, right? Matthew 29, Jesus came to them and said, all authority, say all authority. In heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you all the way to the end of the age. That's good. Friends, these are commands that Jesus gave us. See, the problem is we want to say, oh, Brother David, see, you just got to understand. See, he was just talking to the people of his day. Say, okay. Well, using your logic, he didn't tell me to love my neighbor. He was talking to the people of his day. Well, he didn't tell me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. No, no, no. See, he was talking to the people of his day. What, how, how do we think we're going to get away with that? Listen, the commands of Jesus apply to all of us forever, for all eternity, for all time, for all people. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, he meant you too. Yeah, come on. He meant you too. He meant me too. Listen, it's called the great commission, not the great suggestion or as my friend calls it, the great omission, because it's the one thing that we're not doing. Come on, somebody. Do we really believe it's good news? We got to tell people. We got to share the good news. Do you really believe it's good news? There are certain things that we do just because we're Christians. Remember we said before, yeah, but I don't go on evangelism whenever Pastor Chino calls us to do evangelism. I don't show up because I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's not going to fly, friends. The, the early church was doing evangelism for 50, 100 years prior to that book even being written, talking about the gifts. I mean, it's, just, it's not going to fly, right? It's like, I don't give because I don't have the gift of giving. Come on. Come on, listen, we give because we're Christians, because we're generous. 
well, I don't come and help set up or whatever because I don't have the gift of helps. What are you talking about? We help because we're Christians. We give because we're Christians. We talk about Jesus and share the good news because we're Christians. We heal the sick because we're Christians. Come on, somebody. We cast out demons because we're Christians. We take care of widows and orphans because we're Christians. We remember the poor because we're Christians. Right? It's just what we do. That's why we call ourselves little Christ-like ones. Christian. That's what it means. In our evangelism, during the course of our evangelism, when we evangelize to, to other people, there will, there will be times whenever they will be um, drawn by the Spirit of God to make a decision for Christ. And when they do, we need to be prepared for that. We need to be prepared to give them the tools, what they need to make a decision for Christ, right? So there's going to be a few, uh, a few components here. Yeah, you guys can come on. So there's a few components that need to be uh, in, this, um, in this presentation of the gospel when we begin to what we call lead people to Christ, right? Now, we can either give them a prayer that they can repeat after us, right? Or we can coach them and help them to, to, to pray a prayer in their own words. If you're doing one-on-one, -on -one, I definitely suggest to let them pray in their own words. Sometimes when you're in a group like this, you'll have a, a prayer that people repeat after you just, just for ease. But if you're with someone one-on-one -on -one or even just a, you know, two-on-one or whatever, so if it's a small group, encourage people to pray and, and invite Christ into their life using their own words and help them, right? Help them with that. So there's a few components that that, that 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 should have. Number one, if you're taking notes, is a person's willful recognition for their need for Jesus. And that might be you this morning. You might say, you know what? I think I bought into a cheap gospel. I think I only responded to half the gospel. Or I think that maybe I only heard half the gospel. So we got the person has to have a, a, a willingness and a recognition for their need for Jesus. Number two, they have to confess sin. Or in simple terms, they confess, the, they acknowledge the actions and their choices that have separated them from God. We don't always have to use Christianese, right? Dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. Half the time, the person you're talking to doesn't know what you're saying, right? But if you say, I want to acknowledge my actions and the things that I've done and my choices that have caused me to be separated from you, everybody understands that. Right, so make it simple for them. That's number two. Number three, we want them to understand and to confess what Jesus did to reconcile them back to God, right? So we usually say something like, you know, we, we share with them, you know, Jesus lived a perfect sinless life because we couldn't do it. Christ didn't just die for us, he died as us, right? We know this, right? So we gotta make it simple. I believe that, that Jesus was punished for my sins, for the things that I did wrong. Some of us, if you're in the South, you can say he took my spanking for me, right? <laughs> right? Some of those old school people, right? Well, I was, I was spanked for sure. Anyway, oh, I was whooped. But anyway, all right, whooping. But, uh, right? So you say, I recognize what Jesus did for me. He, he died on the cross, even though he didn't deserve it, I did. He died for me and as me. He died on the cross, right? He was buried. He really died. You know there's some doctrines floating around there that Jesus didn't actually really die? 
that he rose again three days later from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's important too, because there's some other people out there that say, no, he didn't even really die and he wasn't really raised. This was a whole facade by his disciples. They came and they moved the stone and they took his body away to make it look like it. We, these, these things are out there. These thoughts, and, 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 some, and some of them are preaching in some of our churches, some of our liberal churches and, and liberal Bible colleges. So we recognize what Jesus did on our behalf. Number four, a willful, notice how I keep saying willful? See, Jesus gave us a will. He didn't want robots, he wanted a relationship. So see, it's the same power of choice that Jesus gave you to choose him that he gave you to deny him and not accept him. And that's important to know. So a willful decision for the person to say that I choose to now commit my life, control of my life over to you, Jesus, that I no longer am gonna sit on the throne of my life, but I'm gonna put you on the throne of my life. That means you call the shots now, right? I love that, that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. Well, that means you're still flying the plane. Come on, if he's your co-pilot, that means that you're still flying the plane. Listen, I'm tired of flying the plane. I've seen where my own life, my own decisions, my own choices have gotten me. Now I need to give you control of my life. I willfully give you control of my life to be my savior and to be my Lord. Come on, thank, thank you for that one amen in the back. I appreciate that. It's actually a family member. That's why they came. <laughs> now listen, y'all better be saying amen back there. <laughs> thank you. It's my beautiful daughter. One of my beautiful daughters. The other one couldn't be here because she's in training for a job. And the last thing is a recognition that the old life, the old actions is dead and done away with. Come on, somebody. See, we want to lug that dead body to church every Sunday behind us in tow. But that thing is dead and it stinks. Cut off the old person. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have, come on somebody, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation. When we start preaching that gospel, when we start giving that invitation, that's what's gonna change lives. Come on, somebody. That's what's gonna raise up empowered Christians. That's what's going to change our churches and our world because the church is, it only exists to change the world. Come on. If that wasn't the case, he just might as well take us all up right now. But he still has us here because there's a work to be done to go preach the gospel, the full gospel that we talked about this morning, the full gospel, not half the story, but the whole story to all creation. Now let's apply this. That may be you, what I just described. You know, last week, Pastor Chino shared on the parable of the lost coin. Well, this last week, I lost my AirPods. I was like, eh, lost coin. What's the biggest denomination? A quarter, right? But when you lose a $150 pair of iPods, come on, somebody, AirPods. Listen, I was tearing apart my car like I was a narcotics dog looking for drugs. I was like, rrr, rrr. I mean, I was like, come on. I, mean, I, I looked everywhere for those things for days. I was texting friends, telling my wife, telling my family, pray, pray that I find these things, pray that I find these air, 150 bucks, ah! right? 
the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, what if you cared so much for souls as you did your AirPods? I'm just keeping it real with you. What if I cared half as much for the lost soul as I did the lost AirPods? What if I went looking for them the way that I went looking for my AirPods? But you know, God revealed that where my AirPods were, that where they were lost to my wife through a word of knowledge. They had been missing for days. All of a sudden, I, she was making coffee. She was doing something that morning. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, look under the bed. She, she said, that doesn't make any sense because David's looked under the bed three times. I've looked under the bed at least one or two times. So she goes, she looks under the bed. She doesn't see anything. She's standing by the bed. The Holy Spirit says, now take the bed, pick it up, pick it up on the side and move it and scoot over to the side. She did that and it was right there. Am I right, babe? Come on. Word of knowledge. Listen. God will give you words of knowledge for the lost, for the lost souls. He's already doing it. Hey, go talk to that person. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, get behind me. Not today. Say, right? Come on. But that was God. That was God telling you to go talk to that person. He'll give you a word of knowledge for that person. Things that you know about their life that he'll tell you that nobody else could know. And it happens all the time because he wants to prove his love to them. He wants to show them who he is and how much he loves them. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My Greater Church.